Welcome to Marvelicious Toys. Hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more. Because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious. Hello and welcome to Marvelicious Toys issue 81. I'm Justin, and this week we are giving Arnie and Marjorie a break so they can celebrate their anniversary and concentrate on four or five other podcasts that they're going to be on this week. So what I've done is I've called in my West Coast Avengers, maybe some of our Great Lakes Avengers, the Upper Midwest, Midwest, Great White North, you name it. We've got everybody that's anybody on this call to talk about Iron Man 3. So with that in mind, the show is going to be spoilerific. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go ahead and pause this and come back once you have seen it because we're not going to pull any punches and we're not going to leave anything off the table so that is your official warning so without any further ado let's meet our panel of guests first off we have barrent hey everybody it's barrent master collect them all from the forums your marvelicious toys podcast enhancer and i love toys probably more than i love the movie and definitely more than I loved the Iron Man toys, but we'll go into that. And I'm glad to be here, Justin. Thank you for inviting me. It's always an honor to come and talk on Marvelicious Toys. Thank you, Barrett. And Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff. I do photo editing for Marvelicious Toys and Wise Assery on the Facebook post. And honestly, I hate working here. All these guys are really weird. <laughs> And as far as collecting, I just collect mainly, you know, Marvel Universe, Marvel Legends. I'm not all in on anything because sooner or later I get burnt on something. But there you go. Awesome. Jen? Hi, I am Jen, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel Girl. I do photo editing as well as the Pinterest account for Marvelicious Toys. I'm mostly comic book fan turned video game fan turned Marvel Toys collector of much like Jeff, not all in on any damn thing. Mostly I'm looking at the current line of Marvel Legends and some choice characters here and there like X-23, Deadpool, etc., etc. And Chris. Hey guys, it's Chris, Jedi Yoda 7 on the forums, friend of Marvelicious Toys. Mostly, I collect uh, the Hasbro, the Legends, the Marvel Universe, started to get into the higher end stuff, and I have a character focus on War Machine because he rocks, and Thor, so Thor's finally getting some love on Marvelicious. <laughs> nice. And Jason. Hi, uh, Jason from uh, yakface.com and Closet Marvel Collector, and thus that has led me to be a Marvelicious Toys Facebook contributor. Basically, I stick with doing the uh, three and three quarter inch. I'm kind of picky and choosy on the Marvel Universe line and some of the Avengers figures, which kind of got me started into this whole quote unquote mess. And I'm a big fan of the Marvel line that's come out so far, so that's why I'm here. Excellent. And finally, Jerry. Hello, everybody. This is Jerry. I'm the new director of security here at Venganza Industries, and um, I think I'm going to need to see some badges. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I had up the uh, timely review segment here at Marvelicious Toys, so I like to dip into the past a little bit with some toy biz, Mego, Secret Wars, what have you, and uh, also enjoy just a handful of some of the Marvel Universe figures here and there, and I uh, also dig some of the Marvel Selects, so I'm really uh, happy to be here with you guys to talk Iron Man 3. Awesome. Well, I'm glad all of you could join us tonight. 
and I'm excited to hear everybody's thoughts on Iron Man 3. So why don't we hop right in? I'm assuming everybody has seen the movie at least once. Has anybody seen it multiple times yet? You know, Justin, I've uh, I've actually seen it twice, and I, I've had the uh, unusual opportunity to see it in on two different continents. So I was uh, fortunate enough to actually be traveling to uh, Belgium uh, on business the week of the 22nd, where it was actually released there on Wednesday the 24th. And I just happened to be there, and I just happened to notice the movie came out that day when I was there, and I uh, got to see it with subtitles. <laughs> Wait, so it wasn't in English? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was presented that the audio was in English. Like, actually, most movies are, but then, you know, there are always constantly subtitles in uh, French and Flemish. So um, everything had uh, two lines of dialogue underneath it. So, But for the most part, it felt like a regular going to the movies, except for the fact that apparently it is normal for, like, right halfway in the middle of the movie for it to stop so that everyone can enjoy a 10-minute break in the middle of the movie, an intermission, and, and I kid you not, pay 30 cents to use their bathroom. But I'm not bitter. <laughs> what? I kid you not. Uh, there's a little little woman there at the desk, and I was walking to the bathroom, and she said, 30, 30 cents, 30 cents. I'm like, oh, wow, really? So unfortunately, I had 30 cents on me and, you know, euros. And uh, I wonder that if that might, just, that might just be a trick they play on Americans. Then they, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I, did, I did see a line. She had a table. But, you know, it's like, you know, it's bad enough I paid five euros for a Coke. Now you're going to charge me 30 cents to get rid of said Coke. But yeah, <laughs> overall, it was fine. It was fine. I'd be less worried about being bitter and more about being incontinent. <laughs> I would have paid somebody ten dollars if they would have gave me the chance to get up and walk out of it halfway through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate! Okay, yeah, I'm throw not, your nope. cards on the table. Barrett, I'm not going to lie. I thought about it not because I wasn't enjoying the movie, but because it was kind of getting late and I was a little freaked out being alone in uh, in a different country after seeing all of these scenes about American terrorism. I actually kind of was a little freaked out. It's like I'm an American foreigner in a in a different country and. This movie's all about blowing up my country. I, I, I want to go home. <laughs> a little trick for anybody that's American traveling abroad. Tell everybody you're Canadian. They won't yeah. care. They'll leave you alone. <laughs> all right. So Barrett fired the first shot. Barrett, why don't you give us a little breakdown of why you were disappointed? I was disappointed. You know, it wasn't a bad movie per se, like Howard the Duck. Excuse me. But it was disappointing, and I don't think I'm alone in finding that I feel duped, you know? You kind of have to go in expecting to be a little duped because, you know, they have to keep some of the th plots and stuff secrets for the big reveals or whatever. But they really, really were very dishonest with the fans. Okay, so that was one thing. And another thing that really stuck out is from the start of Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor, all of those movies were a build up to Avengers phase one. So I don't think I'm alone in expecting that Iron Man 3 was going to be a build up to phase two. And 90% of the people stayed after to see the credits. That's never happened in any of the Marvel movies that I've seen. A lot of people do, but I'm talking about 90% of the people stayed to see those end credits. Yeah, like nobody got up. Because that's what they were expecting. And it's very hard. I mean, they're on thin ice when it comes to the fans, the real fans. That's how I feel about it. So it wasn't a bad movie, but it was disappointing. And I, we're going to talk about some of the stories, plots, 
decisions that they made that I thought was pretty bad. So there's my cards. I can feel what you're saying to a certain degree, but expectations of launching phase two, I feel like is one thing because this is Iron Man three first and foremost. And Iron Man is the one odd man out from the equation of Captain America, Thor Avengers in that it had two movies before the other guys had even one. So Iron Man is a little bit of its own beast as far as being direct lead-ins into an Avengers movie. I'm going to say I think you're making excuses for it because you want to like the movie. I wanted to like the movie, but I think you're making excuses because they've set a precedence of doing this. So it's not something that a bunch of us fans have made up and pulled out of thin air. They've set up the precedence that each movie is going to connect to the other. Why stop now got the second biggest opening in the history of movies is because of that expectation and then just to throw it all away i think you're making excuses my friend but it's okay <laughs> well i spoke a lot about this on our last episode so i'm gonna let other people hop in and and defend whether or not they liked the movie or not i may actually have a bit of a a very weird position on the entire movie. I honestly, to this moment, am not exactly sure how I feel. When I came out of, about halfway through the movie, I remember thinking, this is a good movie, but I feel completely red herringed to death by everything happening right now. Like, it was several for me that I just, it was 1000% nothing like what I was expecting coming out of Iron Man 2 in this as a successor to that in the trilogy if you look at it that way did i enjoy the movie absolutely but i'm still really confused about how i feel about a lot of the new style and just new concepts they introduced in this as the series was ending but then again i don't feel like any of it was quote-unquote bad i'm just still really almost in a sort of fan shock i had all these expectations that were you know when it came to extremis and when it came to this and that and while i knew i wasn't going to get everything i was expecting and i expected a few twists i literally felt over twisted and exhausted trying to keep up with everything that i wasn't expecting but again though that doesn't make it terrible i'm that's just my own low level experience with sitting in the theater and kind of going this was not what i was expecting this to be at all so there was a, a lot of different emotions as I was sitting there watching that movie from beginning to end. And I went with my wife and she goes to them just to watch them. She doesn't have any history with Marvel. She likes Robert Downey Jr. So she's just she's there to enjoy the movie and doesn't really look at it like we're looking at it. But I walked away and I'm like, I think I need to talk to Bruce Banner on the couch after that movie. Because <laughs> I, I, I just, literally, I wanted to talk to somebody that was going to have the type of conversation we're having here now because I just felt like just when you think you had it figured out, they switched something on you. And much like Jen, it took me a little while to kind of where do I how do I feel about this movie? Where does this movie sit with me? And I do think that I, that I need to see it a second time to really let it exactly soak in. But there is so much in there that it, it wasn't the fun ride that the other ones were. 
I mean, Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Avengers, those were all a very fun ride. And this, to me, was not a, a, a one that you just like, oh, you know what? That was so much fun. Let's do it again. You really have to sit there and comprehend and dissect it all. Very true. I think on, on last week's podcast, I kind of said it's it's less like a roller coaster that you get off of and want to get right back in line for again. It's more like maybe a nice train ride that you get to your destination and you kind of look around and see where you're at now. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, overall, uh, I think one of the things that these Marvel films have, have done, and Baron, I'm with you a little bit. You know, I, I certainly don't expect to have an Avengers flavor to this movie because clearly the Avengers aren't in it. It's it's Tony Stark. It's an Iron Man movie. I mean, that, 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 that much is intellectually obvious. But Avengers raised the bar. You know, exactly one year ago, we were in a theater watching Avengers. And if you're anything like me, you walked out of that just thinking that was, you know, Justin, like you said, that that was the movie that I wanted to get off the roller coaster and get right back on and, and watch again. I saw that. I saw that movie four times in theaters because I wanted to see 3D this, 2D that, and just compare and contrast and see it over and over again. See what see what I missed, you know, much much sooner than what a Blu-ray release would be able to do for me. After seeing it in Europe, I thought, thought to myself, "Oh man, I already have tickets to see this thing." You know, on the Thursday night, I, I saw it at nine o'clock at one of the earlier showings, and I was going with some buddies from church. My son wanted to see it. I'm like, you know, well, okay. Yeah, I, I I need to go, but maybe maybe be good. Maybe a second time, no expectations. I'll enjoy it, and I can just appreciate for what it is versus like imagining in my head everything the movie could have and should have been. And I, as we get into more details, maybe we can pick this this apart. But I walked out of there thinking, man, why did they make the choice on this plot point? Why did they make the choice on that plot point? What what's the deal with the kid? You know what? I I I don't want that. I don't need that. That's not an Iron Manish thing to go do. And you know why would you do that? Mandarin. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of love for Mandarin, but even I acknowledge that Mandarin's kind of a big deal in folklore. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it. And we'll get into those details. But overall, I just the, the movie just made me feel weird. For me, I had kind of a wide range of emotions going through. Mainly, I kind of have to go back a couple weeks. I was at C2E2 in Chicago, and I was hanging out with Arnie quite a bit. And he told me that Jerry had seen the movie and. He had an opinion about it that I had a certain expectation <laughs> and it was high. And all this, and when I heard, when I heard that news, I'm like, okay, I need to reset here because I'm about to either get really mad or I'm just gonna, you know, throw up my hands and say, okay, I'm done. This is, I'm checking out now. I've got little invested and I'm not gonna invest anymore. I'm gonna walk away. So I went in and, you know, I'm going through the movie and I, like I said, I went through a wide range of emotions. And when I walked out of the theater, I was in a similar place where Jen was. I'm like, I I didn't really know what I just saw, and I didn't know if I liked it or not. And I went to a 10 o'clock showing last, it was last night that I went, and uh, there were four people in the theater. And I'm like, this is a bad sign. If there's four people, you know, I live in a big city, a suburb of Minneapolis, and if there are no people here, what have I got myself into? And uh, after I left, I felt that, uh, like Brent had said, we were kind of sold a bill of goods for the trailer, you know, that were depicted in the trailer. And the more I thought about it, I liked where they went with it. And when I got home, I immediately listened to the now playing review of it <laughs> to see if I was just how messed up my head was after it, just to see if anyone else was on my level. And the more I listened to what was saying and I was like rewatching the movie in my mind saying, OK, now that makes sense. And, you know, because there's a more familiarity with the subject matter with Arnie and Jacob and 
Stuart had that I just kind of needed that sounding board, not, you know, just to get a remote perspective on it. And uh, I ended up liking it more, but I view the first viewing as like a palate cleanser to <laughs> wipe away any expectations that I had. And a second viewing is needed just to take it in and enjoy it for what it is. So, so Jason, what, what I heard there was the many emotions. Let me guess, denial, anger. <laughs> Bargaining, <laughs> and exactly. Yes, it's like <laughs> I'm making excuses for it. I'm yes, doing all, all this stuff. I can only imagine this movie what it, what it feels like to be in an abusive relationship because they keep. Oh, it's gonna be good. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. You get in there, they start slapping you around in the movie theater, <laughs> and then afterwards they try to give you flowers, but they're dead flowers. <laughs> this movie is like the little nephew. That turns out to be a criminal, a drug dealer. You want to like him because you've seen it since he was growing up. He's family. Yeah, he's family. We've been watching this thing since it's growing up, since the beginning. And this is what it turns out to be. So you want to like it. I understand. But you have to consider it as a palate cleansing. I mean, it's like, come on, man. The, the Mandarin. <laughs> well, see, and then yeah. how I look at it, too, is that the more I thought about it, I was pleasantly surprised to be surprised because I go into so many movies knowing so much most of the time. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. I mean, I watched the trailers. I watched a few behind-the-scenes clips. And I'm like, okay, the Mandarin's a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm, we're in for this. Oh, the toys have this. Oh, there's, you know, Lego, you know, has this fight scene. Oh, so it's going to kind of work. You know, I'm trying to play out these scenarios in my mind to see, you know, eventually, you know, trying to put it together. And it was refreshing to be... Okay, out and out fooled, but it was refreshing to have my expectations blown away and just baffled by the whole thing. It, it, it was a very unique experience that I, uh, I've had with few movies, and I think that in and of itself made it enjoyable for me because I, I liked being tricked, I would say. I think right there is the division line, is whether or not you could go along and feel okay with the marketing ploy that end up being Mandarin. The lies. The lies. <laughs> well, okay. Would you rather have them come out and straight up say in the previews, look, the Mandarin is in this movie, but he's only a ploy, so don't get too excited. I, you're asking me. This is what I'd rather. People keep saying, well, you know, you said on last week's podcast that you'd rather have this than, say, a Mandarin using magical powers. Why not have a, have a movie like that using magical powers? They're talking about making a Doctor Strange movie. If they don't have a Doctor Strange movie where he's using magical powers and makes it good, I don't want it to be this kind of Mandarin. Why not? You know what? This, Marvel is, is on a thin line right now. And I, and I suspect that the box office for the next couple of weeks is going to show. After Avengers, they have the whole world behind them. And what do they do? They give us this. That's all I'm saying. So it is a, it's in the line. You're either on this side of the line or you're on that side of the line. I, I don't know. I think you can kind of straddle the line because that's where I would put myself. Let me just say that Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, if I had to rank them, it would go Iron Man 1 and 2 are tied for me. I, yes, I, I liked Iron Man 2 a lot. And Iron Man 3 is my least favorite. Admittedly, I do need to see Iron Man 3 again. But for me... I think that while it's not my favorite, I didn't hate it. You know, I'm not coming out going, man, that movie was terrible. They sold me lies. I mean, at first when the whole Mandarin thing comes up, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That's actually pretty darn clever for them to do that because here you have all this buildup and then you get this and it's like, oh, it's, it's Trevor. And I was like, 
okay, I can roll with that. You know, it took me a little while, probably, you know, the, the last half of the movie to kind of warm up to it. But then I'm like, you know, I can I can roll with this with everything else you did. I mean, if you look at the extremists point of view, they followed that pretty religiously to the comics. If you read the comics or seen the stop motion that's on Netflix about extremists, they followed that pretty closely as well as the characters pretty closely there. So there they got it right. Everyone's yeah, these, these aren't guys who have disdain for the source material. I think we're maybe having some disagreement with the way Shane Black interpreted the source material. But I, I want to hear from Jeff. I want to see what side of the line Jeffrey is sitting on. Like I said, I hate working here. These guys are really weird. This is the best <laughs> Iron Man movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You go in about Mandarin, how that's supposedly a big problem. And, and yes, I will give you that I, it is a thing to have somebody who's supposed to be a villain show up and be, you know, this bumbling drunk actor. But look at the Guy Pierce character. He is the Mandarin. He even calls it out. And that man, version of the Mandarin is actually pretty damn faithful to the more recent Iron Man comics, the ones that took place right after the Extremist storyline. Well, not right after, but a few uh, episodes after, where he masquerades as a CEO and he recruits Maya Hansen and he tricks her into making an airborne version of Extremis. And so he's going to loose that into the, uh, into the weather system and literally make Extremis rain. So in that sense, it's, you know, he's eventually he's using extremists to advance, take over, you know, power corrupt type of thing. But at that point in time, the Mandarin, uh, he didn't wear the Ten Rings. He had actually all Ten Rings infused on his spine, which is kind of cool because Tony rips them out later on. <laughs> Wearing the Silver Centurion armor, by the way, which is how he faced off uh, Guy Pierce in the movie. So they got that right, too. Um, it. Yeah, it's it, it, so it's it's kind of a, it's like what Justin said. It's. I kind of think of it as sort of a nitpick, as if you're, you know, you're, I mean, oh, my God, a movie's marketing, uh, you know, fooled me. It was dishonest to me. It was disingenuous. It's like, you know, if it if it hadn't been, we'd probably be complaining, oh, I could see that miles away. Personally, I had no problems with pretty much anything in the movie. And pr most of the stuff that's in here, you can point that to a variation or just a, a, a slight tweak of something. Um, you know, even like I was mentioned earlier, uh, the Extremis comic. In that one, the major difference is that in the comic, Tony subjects himself to Extremis, and that because that's the only way that he can keep up with. Um, I think the guy was a was a Malin, was a guy who who was the first uh, Extremis guy. But sidetrack Malin's first action once he was injected with Extremis, Extremis in the comic was he took out an FBI office and he literally incinerated everyone there, breathing fire. So that part's accurate to the movie too. When uh, I, I keep saying Guy Pierce, I really should use the, the character's name. Oh, Aldrich Killian. Killian. There Killian. There you go. <laughs> so you know, because I, I I've heard a lot. Of, I've listened to so many podcasts this week of people reviewing the movie, and it's like almost all of them are going. They point to that line where he breathes fire, and you know, Rhodey goes breathe fire really yes really they did do that in the comic they didn't just make that up and anyway so when it comes to the end tony injects himself with extremists in the comics so that he can defeat this guy and whereas in the movie they sort of take that and they actually they give it to pepper so that she saves him because tony can't beat uh killian in the movie he's just about to die and then she comes up which you know granted is probably kind of corny but you know hey girl power <laughs> 
which I think is a, a choice that the director made. And to me, it works because I think the first Iron Man is about Tony becoming Iron Man. The second Iron Man is about Tony being Iron Man. And the third Iron Man is about Tony trying to figure out if he is Iron Man or Iron Man is Tony or how the two exist with one another. Yeah, it's about reconciliation of who he is, what he's supposed to be to you know essentially the world and how does he balance that with protecting pepper and his friends you know it's interesting you're referencing the extremist comic because uh honestly i i walked away from the movie with enough questions and concerns about what it was i just saw that i bought the extremist comics off of comicsology they had the um you know they had like the, the five or six issues or whatever it was for like 99 cents each i just thought i'd give it give it a whirl and i did find what the basic problem was with me in this movie is that i didn't enjoy the extremist comics i didn't read through that and enjoy the story i didn't i didn't like where that went i didn't like the story and the buddy i saw with here uh, you know in the u.s as we were driving home i said you know the movie was very competently made looked beautiful great action scenes great special effects you know just a, a well-made movie i thought their storytelling was pretty good i i get justin everything you said about hey this is him struggling like is he tony is he iron man you know uh, he does a lot in this movie when he's not in the suit he's tony a lot of times and i get that they told the story very well but i think i just sat back and i looked at my buddy it's like you know what i just didn't like the story though i'm not compelled by the story now silly me over the weekend i also purchased the marvel novel for Extremis, and I'm going to dig into some details and just see what nuggets are in there and, you know, maybe let the three form this story in my head. But I guess I'm just fundamentally not a fan of what Extremis was doing as a story. And then when it gets adapted to film, I guess my reaction is just, eh. That's a good point. I think that the point of Extremis, the story, is to get Tony to a new level where he's got this all-new interaction with the suit, which really is a shame they didn't put that in the movie because that to me, I'm I'm kind of with you on the storyline of Extremis. I've it's one of the most you know acclaimed and hailed Iron Man stories of the past you know decade or so, and I'm just not really on board with that. That's actually my main complaint about the movie is not oh the kid oh this oh Mandarin. I was just pissed there was no Extremis armor. I was waiting for that shoe to drop, and then when I saw what Extremis was in the movie, I'm, I was really bummed about that. Well, so, actually, in in a way, the Mark Forty Two is the extremist armor. Yes, it serves the yes. same function. And it was the most terrible armor of all three Iron Man films. Oh, I like oh, it. It never worked. It didn't work. <laughs> no, it worked no, fine. Mark One uh, worked better than... <laughs> well, it, it, it was the armor that he selected to put on when he thought the Mandarin was getting ready to attack him and it ended up being the lady scientist. It was the armor he selected to wear to defend the house, but it wasn't weaponized and wasn't ready for flight. Actually, it was the only armor available to him, if you think about it. Yeah, and that's that's where we have to kind of get into the uh, thought of the uh, the Chinese version of the movie. And the also, well, I'm sorry, not that, well, well, that as well, but earlier this year when they screened 15 minutes of footage for press, in that, from what I've been able to read from people, the suits, March 1 through 7, that are on there, they're not blown up by the helicopter attack. 
Tony orders Jarvis to destruct them so they don't fall into the hands of the Mandarin, like as the attack's starting. So that footage has been, you know, kind of tinkered with to make it seem in, in the version we saw that it's a result of, you know, helicopter missiles. Oh, that so, is so much better. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. They make choices and then, you know, the, the, with the Chinese cut with uh, Dr. Wu doing the heart surgery, you know, that there's kind of a small but kind of important tick there that totally changes the perspective of it. What else was in that Chinese cut? So did we not see surgery? What we didn't see is the establishment of Dr. Wu as being okay. pretty much the only person who can perform this surgery, okay. which is why Tony never had it done before. It's weird that they left it out because the way it plays now, it's like, well, gee, Tony, you know, if you did it now, why didn't you just have the shrapnel taken out exactly. back after Iron Exactly, and I one? thought that. Let me offer a different take on the end here. And here's my take was, was we've talked about extremists and the comics because they didn't show that extra footage and they didn't tell us. My take on it was not only do they go in and they take out the shrapnel, but maybe because they don't tell us and you can draw your own conclusion, maybe that's when he got the, you know, when he worked out the kinks with extremists, he was injected with extremists at that time. So in the next movie, he'll be able to have that kind of armor. Now, that's just my take on it, but they left it open ended for you to make that interpretation. And I wondered about that because when they first started showing images of the surgeons and stuff, I'm like, oh, oh, that's it. And then they're like, nope, taking the shrapnel out. I'm like, oh, <laughs> slap in the face. How is that a slap in the face? You know, you made a point, Jeff, or maybe it was Chris, I'm sorry, about how you don't really expect, you know, the marketing. It's supposed to give you some, you know, red herrings to follow in the marketing. It's going to the point where you don't have the whole story. You know, they could have given us the whole story. Why not give us this Dr. Wu? Instead, what they do is they make these decisions to contradict of what they've been, what the expectations are you know, of the fans that they've made. Let us slap in the face. I mean, that's, right. not, that's not fair. And I feel like people are saying that there was a universal expectation of what Iron Man 3 should be. And I don't know that that's true. My question is, is would have you been happier with Iron Man 3 being more like Iron Man 1 and 2, where it's Iron Man introduces a new suit of armor and finds out somebody he knows is a baddie and ends up fighting that person in another type of mech suit at the end. Exactly. That's, no. that, to me, this I'm glad there was a departure from that. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it be storytelling? You put it all together to make a story that everybody can agree with. To your point, Jerry, it's based on a story that of extremists that you really didn't like. And Chris said that it was really faithful to that extremist story. If the story was so good, then why didn't they market it as the extremist story? They tried to willingly deceive their biggest fans. And that, I think that's where people feel like that's a slap in the face. But there's a lot of nuggets in there for fans that were really cool. I mean, we haven't even touched on yet the fact that they have AIM, which has started in there. You know, they have Iron Patriot. So they've, they've given the fans these little nuggets. Now we can get into a little bit later how faithful these little nuggets are. But I don't know that they necessarily slapped everybody in the face. I don't think they set out with that intention. I oh, think definitely. Shane Black was definitely trying to go, okay, I've got some, some shoes to fill from what Favreau did, but I don't want to do what Favreau did because then you might as well have had Favreau do it. So let's try and see how we can mix this up and keep it interesting, but give everybody what they want. So, I mean, that's really hard to do if you think about it. He had a huge task. Yeah, I can say one thing. I hope Tony doesn't meet up with Loki again with the magic spear of uh, changing your eyes into, you know, causing him to roll back and <laughs> turn black because now he doesn't have his anti-Loki device. <laughs> 
Well, you guys, you guys talked about some of the little things that were popped in there as Easter eggs. One thing that I read that was I thought was pretty cool is at the beginning of the movie when they're in is it Switzerland at that conference? Mm-hmm. Tony is introduced to two doctors. One being the doctor who eventually is doing the surgery on him, and the other one is the same guy who helped him out in the cave in Iron Man mm-hmm. One. And I don't know if anybody's seen Iron Man One lately, but he actually makes a reference in the movie Iron Man One that you know, hey Tony, we've met before in Burn. All right, I like that one. <laughs> and I'm really surprised by all the people who are like, oh, I didn't recognize him. That, oh, I guess that what? was from Iron Man. That was like obvious to me. I mean, I recognized why him else? than Banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the most awesome thing about that opening sequence was uh, John Favreau doing his uh, Pulp Fiction John Travolta outfit. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, the bolo and, and everything, and showing how great of a security guard is by letting a what half crippled guy uh, sneak under him entering an elevator. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're awesome, dude. <laughs> that is one nit that I would like to pick. How Killian was just your standard ugly girl with glasses and uncombed hair, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh. Well, he slicked his hair back and took off his glasses, and he's gorgeous. No, no, no. He had some skin issues, sir. He had some really awesome rosacea happening there. They really went all out to make him an ugly, ugly man. Let's talk Killian, because one thing that occurred to me reading the comic is that he's like in the first three pages, and he blows his head off. I would have appreciated the Mandarin switcheroo little bit if... Killian had announced himself as being the Mandarin much sooner and maybe even like, you know, hey, I'm trying to fool everybody. I'm in my suit. Now I've got Tony. Now I got Pepper. Now I'm going to throw on my green cloak and reveal my bare chest of dragon tattoos. I breathe fire. No, guys, I'm really the Mandarin. Mandarin's my other name and you'll do what I say. I wish he had kind of taken on a less comic booky version of Mandarin. Ben Kingsley was the comic book Mandarin and that was the joke. I would have appreciated the joke if Killian had said, hey, you know, Killian's a name I made up. I'm the real Mandarin and actually kind of owned the Mandarin look on some level. I mean, he had the dragon tattoos at the end and they're pretty freaking cool. And I think Mandarin's had those at some point in the comics. So I wish they had merged those characters a little bit better. That would have been awesome, Jerry. You're absolutely yeah, right. Totally that agree. would have been awesome because that would have given the fans what we had expected. We wanted to see Mandarin. You know, whatever incarnation they wanted to give it to us, except for Toby or Tori or whatever the guy's name was. Trevor. Trevor, the out-of-work drug addict, British man. Hey, he's the toast of Croydon. It was funny. It was funny. I mean, you know, it wasn't... I Listen, I like Ben Kingsley. He's a great actor. Robert Downey Jr., good actor. I mean, they were enjoyable. But if you have a good product, you should market it. You don't want to deceive your most loyal fans. Okay, Baron. Let me ask you this. Yes. Let me take you back to 1980. 1980. Little young Baron sitting in front of his TV watching Saturday morning cartoons and a commercial for a new Star Wars movie comes on. And little Baron liked the first Star Wars movie, so this excites him. And the first thing they say is, Luke, I am your father. Come see Empire Strikes Back. That's <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That, but that's, that's, that's where you have the extreme. And I guess that's where what you're either one side of the fence or the other. Why does it have to be one or the other? You don't have to give me the reveal. You could have given the reveal, like Jerry said, about him being the Mandarin, which would have been a way better reveal and made it a way better movie because you can appreciate that. So you don't have to tell me that he's the Mandarin straight off the bat. But don't tell me you'll never see me coming. And everybody should have paid attention to that one line and we would have figured out the movie because we never saw it coming. But the way they did it, 
was so deceitful and not the way that they'd done any of the other movies. I mean, you had Captain America. You know that the Red Skull was in there. Does that make it a bad movie? In the Avengers, we knew that they were going to fight some aliens out of space. Did that make it a bad movie because we knew that? I say no. It, they made it was a great movie. Personally, I think that's why this is a nice departure from it. In Iron Man 1, it was, holy cow, Obadiah is the bad guy. I didn't see that coming. You know, and in the second one, I guess we always knew it was Whiplash, but... This one I thought was a nice diversion. You know, usually you go in, you you know, you see all of the the trailers and the TV spots, and you've seen you know sixty percent of the movie before you even sit down in the theater. So I liked the fact that we were fooled, or at least you know surprised how the outcome turned it out. Exactly, and I think it works really well with such a a highly respected actor as Ben Kingsley. That gag doesn't work out as well if it's somebody we've never heard of or, you know, some character actor. So I think we've picked on the Mandarin plot twist enough. Are we all okay to decide that, look, this movie's kind of like pizza. Everybody likes it. Now we're just kind of decide if we got the right stuff on it or not. <laughs> well, I, got, I have there's, – there's a couple of sticking points that I have, and they're not major, but they were – they do bother me, and, and I'll throw them out there. The first one is is that Tony has PST from what happened in New York, and I'm thinking to myself, okay – Everything he went through, being in that cave, having been, you know, basically shrapnel from his own weapons, he didn't he didn't get PST from that. I mean, my brother <laughs> is a soldier. He's done two tours in Iraq, and he's currently in Afghanistan. And so I have a little bit of firsthand experience with that. And and what I can tell you is is that something, you know, I would think, and and just kind of from again my my experience with my brother, that the first time what happened in that cave would have been enough to give him PST. So I just kind of was like, that was kind of hard for me to, to grasp. Thing but was, has your brother been sucked into a wormhole? And was he about to well. kill himself to save the entire planet <laughs> after, be, after being a selfish prick for most of his life? I'm totally with Chris. I mean, no, he had his, you know, someone do open heart surgery on him in a cave and attached a battery to him for, you know, he was there for three months. I don't disagree because I, I mentioned before that I'm a little troubled by each movie, them having Tony be afflicted by something else that is making him depressed or unable yeah. to fully be Tony. Also, can I, I have a question. Where the hell was the alcoholism? They just dropped that subplot completely. I think they tried to kind of push that a little bit in two, and I think that that's why they, they weren't going to push it in three. I'm just, I wanted to at least see that have a little bit of a resolution, like even just Pepper kind of making a comment or, I don't know, I'm just, I was really waiting for that shoe to drop. And, you know, three quarters of the movie, he's doing bigger and crazier things, and he's got anxiety, which, as somebody with anxiety, God, those panic attacks were really accurate that was some really scary acting that man has talent which is a really huge <laughs> understatement i kind of wanted to at least see something i feel like it was just a very obviously dropped plot yeah. point yeah i think that comes more from you know having to appeal to a general audience and at the end of the day you have to realize that you're appealing to eight-year-old boys and you don't want to drive home the alcoholic thing too much. If you only got three, three and a half, four oh, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. of Tony Stark, you're not you're not doing back to back movies with alcoholism. No, oh, and that's on. and that's something I completely see. Like I'm not I'm de it's definitely not I'm on the fence enough with all the other stuff we've discussed. It was just one thing I was sort of waiting. I was like, you know, that'd be cool if they you know, when are they gonna mention this? When's he gonna have you know, cause even in Avengers he him and Loki have their cocktail hour. Yeah, that was one <laughs> thing I noticed too, that it I don't think he drank at all in this movie. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And to the point about his PTSD, I think they, they could have, I mean, 
basically they portrayed it all as just basic emoting and him looking, you know, under duress. It would have been so much cooler if they would have intercut like Avengers footage of him battling and, you know, fighting the aliens and being in space. It would have sold that so much better. Yeah, I totally agree. Didn't they do that exact thing in at least one of his attacks? I think yes. we saw a little bit of a flashback, yeah, in one of the yeah, I think we got a little bit, which I think that's the appropriate Avengers callback. I mean, you know, we shouldn't be expecting Avengers 2 or Avengers 1.5. So I think the way they called back to, you know, the guy with the hammer falling out of the sky and, hey, what what exactly happened in New York? You know, they, they, they touched it enough. But at the end of the Avengers, we see them all go in their own directions. And even Nick Fury tells Shields, like, hey, I, I don't know where they're at. I don't, you know they'll they'll come when we need them to. So I don't I don't mind at all that like hey Tony you know I'm Tony I'm I'm lost let me hey let me just pick up the phone and call Cap does he have does he have Cap's cell phone numbered I, I I don't I don't gather the way they separate at the end of the Avengers does that Cap that know what a easy. cell phone is? <laughs> <laughs> well Jerry to your point I don't think anyone myself included expected this to be Avengers 1.5 but. And even in Iron Man 2, where it was a build-up to the Avengers, where you could say that that was the first build-up in Phase 1, you had, you know, Black Widow in there. So you still had those connections. And I think those, the connections of just mentioning New York and mentioning the guy with the hammer, I think those were kind of just afterthoughts that they threw in. And my one other major gripe was this. And I, I cannot imagine that most of you don't agree with me, even on this. What happened with the end scene? Why did we not get a true connection to Phase 2? You didn't because they did all that in Phase 1 because every movie that came out was the first of its kind. And they had to introduce it all the way up to Avengers. This movie actually, its I know it's a, the start to Phase 2, but I think it's actually more appropriately placed as sort of a uh, an end note to Phase 1, you know, uh, epilogue. It's not a start to phase two. You're right. It is an epilogue to phase one. It's not a start to phase two. That's where I'm saying you're not disappointed about that at all. No, I'm not. Because at the same time, technically, the stinger at Avengers was them eating shawarma. And it was the same gag. Now, yeah, I got to see that scene with Thanos, but that was right after the first set of uh, uh, credits where they zoomed in on everybody's weapons. So, no, I actually wasn't disappointed. And quite frankly, uh, we all know Thor's coming out, and there was a Thor trailer right in front of this movie. That didn't happen with Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 had the Thor uh, stinger at the very end because at that point, that's all there was of it. The other, the other thing is, is that is a brilliant finish. I mean, you you have Tony Stark talking on the couch to Bruce Banner, the guy who has anger issues and becomes the Hulk. I mean, it, I, I was, it was hilarious. He has such dreamy <laughs> eyes. <laughs> the next thing is Thor, and we've already been introduced to Thor, so we don't need a, a, a stinger or a tease for the next Thor. Just like I bet you at the end of Thor 2, there's not going to be a tease for the next Captain America. That's already been set up, and we already have met. It builds into the next movie coming out, the next new movie, which is why when Captain America comes out, that's when I would expect to see something for Guardians of the Galaxy, not before. And this is what makes me scared for Guardians of the Galaxy. I was already scared before about a talking tree and raccoon of a comic book that sells 10 copies in its whole run. And that's why this, this makes me scared. The decisions that they made. I mean, they may, may be the best movie out of all of them. But I tell you what, you're not going to have the trust that the fans had 
when it comes to these next movies. And it could hurt Thor. It could hurt the oh, next Captain America movie if they're not very good movies. To Baron's point, Justin, you, you, you hit on this a little bit. You know, when Iron Man 2 came out, I was very lukewarm. And when it came out on Blu-ray, I didn't buy it. I, I didn't touch it again until I kind of felt like I should watch it in preparation for Avengers. Incredible Hulk, I was the exact same way. I bought those two movies like a week before Avengers came out so I could watch them all together. But all that said, being able to see Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, the days leading up to Avengers, I find all six of those movies together work great. I, I appreciate and enjoy Iron Man 2 so much more because I see what all of Phase 1 is. So, Baron, to your point, I would reserve some portions of judgment, kind of like I, I am right now. I think that is a perfect place to end the conversation on the movie. Oh, I, was, oh, I wanted to bring up one more thing that just was eating it's eating at me and that is is that you give iron patriot you give him this kick-ass armor and he does nothing in it the entire movie he busts down a couple doors and 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 the president gets in the armor and it gets hacked but he you give him this awesome armor and you even make the joke this war machine rocks and he does nothing in the movie at all well i think that's a perfect segue into talking about collecting because i think so much of collecting especially with iron man is about how cool these armors look and how neat it is to go to the store pick up your favorite armors bring them home and set up your own little hall of armor no seriously like i i mentioned in last week's episode that for me walking out of iron man one and iron man two i had this feeling of yeah that kicked ass i want i want that armor on my desk next to me so i can remember how cool that felt but agreed that this movie has a different tone and a different feeling walking out of it. Not to mention, everything that Tony has ever made is now destroyed. Kind of a slap in the face to us collectors saying, hey, you guys bought all this stuff. Are you going to throw it in the garbage can now too? So that I don't know. Has- one thing I thought about when the armors didn't show up till the very end of the movie and everything, I'm like, oh my God, all those guys just pre-ordered all those friggin' hot toys and we got all the, you know, look at the space armor fiasco with Funko where, oh, they took it off the website and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's just, it's there for maybe 0.25 seconds. Let me give this a little perspective here. At C2E2, Arnie and I were talking about the second wave of the Iron Man Legends. And I was going to play the long game and get them in stores because wave one, we didn't have a problem finding them at all. Now, wave two shows up on Big Bad Toy Store. I go ahead and pre-order it, you know, and and ask Arnie about it. And he's like, oh, I pre-ordered it because it might be harder to find. The release date kind of was supposed to be fall. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I get it in my hot little hands tonight. And I have to tell you the most, the the figure that I'm excited about the most in that wave is the Ultron. Because after seeing the movie and seeing Iron Patriot do nothing, I was like, eh, okay, he wasn't that cool in the movie. And the Mark 42 armor and the little, you know, quirks that they had with that armor, I was like, eh, it's not as cool as I thought it would be. So... Your point is is exactly right, Justin. Well, see, I can I can separate that a little bit. I mean, I I'm really disappointed that I don't have a three and three quarter inch Iron Patriot that's to the level of quality as my Iron Man two figures. I know I can kind of get the little stand in for him, and you know my son has it to play with, but it's not doing it for me. I will buy, and I don't even collect Marvel Legends, but I will buy that one. Not because it was cool that, that did anything awesome in the movie, because it's it's a really cool looking armor, and Iron Patriot's got some folklore, not the folklore we see in this movie, but I think it's cool enough that I will find that and put it on my desk just because it's cool-looking armor, it's red, white, and blue, not because it was an Iron Man 3. Well, it is it is a visually appealing armor. I'll, I'll give you that. 
I, see I only- love the plastic they molded this thing in. This metallic blue is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's, it, ah, I want to make love to it. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to get mine, Jeff. So these Iron Man toys were a slap in the face, these assemblers. Okay, you have all these cool armors. In the movie, we had a glutton of Iron Man 2, and it was the same Iron Man. They could have brought that down a notch, and like you said, Jerry, given us what we wanted. I mean, the second largest opening in history. And what toys do we have to... I mean, my son doesn't won't even touch those assemblers. I mean, we looked at them, they look cool in the package, but they are terribly to actually take out (laughs) and play with. You know, Baron, I totally agree. You know, I'm the one that's always talk about, hey, articulation isn't that big of a deal. Things are over-articulated. My fingers won't stand, but this is going too far. And even my son, you know, talk about a slap in the face. He's like, hmm. I don't like these. I want to be able to bend their elbows and their wrists. I'm like, oh, come on. You two in the articulation? He's, oh, snap. He's one of us. One of us. And to hear you, Arnie, and Marjorie talk about those assemblers, uh, Justin, it was almost like talking about trying to sell a house in a bad neighborhood. I mean, you guys did everything <laughs> you could possibly do to try to sell those things. <laughs> but come on, man. The grass ain't green over there. I'm sorry. Now, in fairness, I have been pretty hard on Hasbro as far as the assemblers have gone. And I've echoed your your statements over and over again about how they missed a prime opportunity, especially with the way they treated Iron Man 2 to do something similar with this line. This is the first movie that has more than three or four armors in it. They could have gone to town instead of making up all these armors in the last line. Yeah, there's yeah. no room in the way. There, there've been no room in the ways for concept series. Exactly, and we're getting eight unique figures in assemblers. There's two more coming, and I think that's it. But one thing that is coming is a Mandarin figure in the six-inch scale. Is anybody still going to get that after seeing what Mandarin Absolutely. truly is? I think it would be awesome is if that wave, if Trevor was the Build-A-Figure. Trevor. Because <laughs> <laughs> that way everybody would have to own him. <laughs> I'm really, really, really picky and choosy, mostly due to budgetary reasons about what figures I buy. Like, I maybe buy one a wave and that's only on average for pretty much everything i might actually you know if i don't see a, a good marvel select kicking around at the time i might just pick that up i really still liked his performance and stuff enough to dig that character so you know i think i'll pick it up you gotta take you gotta i, I would pick it up just so i could sit him down and get like my old like blunt man and chronic chronic blunt to put in one hand and like my duke nukem beer to put in his other hand <laughs> so he can just sit in the chair because it looks actually from the pictures i've seen it actually looks like a really good figure i mean it looks just like ben kingsley they even got the hair like a little pointo thing on the back I was <laughs> yeah I, I look forward to finding out what they're going to do with that wave is it the first six already complete the build a figure and i can't imagine they're going to do yet another one i'm Knowing Hasbro, I'm guessing that we're going to get a repainted Mark 42 with battle damage and a repainted War Machine and just the gray that never showed up in the movie as well. I'm so hoping against hope that I finally get a six-inch Mark 7. But most of all, I really hope they make a heartbreaker. I love that armor so much. That's my favorite armor, too. After going and back and looking at screenshots and everything, the heartbreaker is, is the... The star of the armor it, in this movie. It, it kills me that, that the Hot Toys version of it, which I was, you know, kind of thinking about maybe getting, but it turns out that's going to be, you know, the die cast one. And 
I'm kind of against diecast, but I sure as hell don't want to pay over 300 bucks for it. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, hot toys, is anybody here a hot toy collector that might be a little disappointed that you put a pre-order in on any of these? No, I like eating. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do when you guys go to San Diego? You should host a panel where like Arnie sets off explosions and blows up all of his hot toys on stage <laughs> to recreate the finale. <laughs> Probably make a ton of money. <laughs> Charge admission. You could buy a whole new set, do it every year. <laughs> I pre-ordered the Iron Patriot because it was metal or metallic or alloy or whatever they're calling it. Because It looks so beautiful. I mean, Justin, you made a point of saying that last issue, that that would be the one that you ordered because it's so iconic. The red, white, and blue, Jerry, to your point. I mean, I'm American through and through, and to have something red, white, and blue, and Iron Man, and, and metallic, I mean, I hurried up and pre-ordered that. That's my first hot toy. I had pre-ordered the Hulk uh, when that came out, but then I canceled that. So it'll be my first hot toy when it comes, whenever it comes. It's supposed to be coming uh, after Thanksgiving sometimes, but we probably won't get it till next year. But I pre-ordered that, and I cannot wait. And I'm going to put that right on my desk at work. I'm going to paint maple leaves all over him. <laughs> I thought about ordering that one. That would have been my first entry into Hot Toys. And I kind of wanted to wait and see. It's it's a beautiful looking piece. But now having seen the movie and seeing the role that Iron Patriot plays in the movie, I would rather go back. And I know it's gone up a lot. I'd rather go back and get the War Machine from Iron Man 2 that's going to cost me more out of pocket because it's gone up from when it originally came out than the Iron Patriot. Do you like the uh, design of the new War Machine or the original one more? It's the War Machine that wasn't in the movie. <laughs> Personally, I can appreciate bulking him down a little bit. You know, looking at him side by side now, I'm, I'm kind of digging the sleekness of the new War Machine. Yeah, I like that aspect a lot too. But I, I still think that the uh, the first one, I, I I mean, that was like that was to me that was the six inch legends of that was just the best action figure of that year. I just I can't get over how great I love that design. But at the same time, this new sleek one is it's pretty close i mean i i, I feel bad for it. i think i would have to order both if i was in your position <laughs> i think war machine should be bulkier i mean he's war machine he's supposed to be a little slower but because he, he has all the heavy artillery you know and i guess you could argue that with better technology things would get smaller but i like the bulkier war machine it kind of sets him apart besides his color it sets him apart from Iron Man, and I think that's where you can kind of get into a slippery slope with Iron Man, is that all the armors start looking the same if they start looking the same. So I, I kind of appreciate it that it had a different design quality to it than the regular Iron Man or whatever Tony Stark was wearing. Jeff, to answer for me, I like the bulkier War Machine, and I think I know which Marvel Legends you're talking about. You're talking about the, the War Machine from Iron Man 2, the Legends line, right? Yeah, the Walmart line that came out as Armored Avenger later on. Yeah, that armor. The one that's still at Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> that one is awesome. I love it. That's my favorite War Machine piece that I own right now. I think Arnie's just happy that this one doesn't come with the string of bullets that has to attach to his back and into the gun. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. That heartbreaker for Hot Toys, is it one of those, it's a fully functional suit? I mean, you could, it has all the articulation as a regular Hot Toy? It's the full articulation. And really? It's, the, it's in the new die cast line, and since they haven't released any of them yet, nobody really knows what that means. I mean, are they going to be, I don't, I personally don't think the whole armor is going to be die cast. I think it's still going to be plastic with some bits of die cast metal because that would be super heavy and way more than 300 bucks if it was all die cast metal yeah i would think that the major surface or some of the major surfaces on the hot toys would probably be metal like some of the torso and you know shoulders and 
stuff, but I, I couldn't imagine it being, you know, solid by any means. Just overall for all the toy lines, one thing I've noticed as end caps sort of are, you know, they're, they're not ready for clearance, but they're, they're past now that the movie's out. If things aren't selling now, then when are they? And coupled with the fact that we edited, you know, at having edited and looked at a lot of the photos of what was being shown at Toy Fair, I feel like this movie had a lot of junk and had a lot of trash. And with maybe one or two being Hot Toys or and Marvel Legends that were something to appeal to anyone over 12. I mean, I like a good stupid buy, meaning if it's one of the masks. Um, I do like the Superhero Squad, but unfortunately, I, these ones didn't really appeal to me. I was on armor fatigue after covering all the assemblers and stuff. I just feel like we got a lot of junk as a whole with this one like i was kind of bummed we didn't see like a decent three and three quarter line in in place of the assemblers but that all being said one thing i also want to just chime in on really quickly was the packaging i'm a graphic designer by trade and one of my jobs is to create obviously these types of things and the direction that brands go in I really love this new bubble packaging that they're doing for all these toys I just called crap. <laughs> but this new like circular bubble thing that's happening, I'm really digging that. I love the lighter artwork that we're seeing for Ultimate Spider-Man as well. We're seeing a lot of that mirrored. A lot of the same dye lines are being used. And overall, when we talk about the merchandising side, it was very different. Like Not just the movie itself. It was really different. But the way everything was handled in the lead up with product and whatnot. But that being said, it was a welcome change. So, you know, one and two are very similar. So anyway, and basically just wanted to really quickly chime in on those points that I don't know if maybe it's a Disney influence or what, but I noticed a lot of changing on the sort of back end, the way thing, these things are being handled. And I'm really digging it. Hot off the press type thing. As as we're recording right now, Big Bad Toy Store does have the Marvel Legends Series 2 back for, for, for pre-order for the set of three, being Iron Patriot, Mark 42, and Ultron. They have Iron Patriot, Mark 42, just available for order for $17.99. So if anyone's getting a little anxious, check out Big Bad Toy Store. They might have it, um, you know, have what you're looking for, ready to go right now. That's not bad advice, because, I mean, looking at the case breakdown on that, they did something weird. They short-packed Ultron which is kind of weird to do in a Build-A-Figure series. Yeah, who who needs a head? (laughs) So Ultron might be a little thin in the air if it does hit retail, but it's too early to tell, especially if they're releasing another 6-inch figure later on in August. I think they're expecting these to remain on the shelves for a little while yet. Just out of curiosity, was anyone expecting Ultron to get any hints in this movie, or are we just to assume that it's that he was thrown in because of Age of Ultron happening in the Marvel Comics event right now? That was a comic mix like the first wave. And that that was a pretty easy repaint on their part. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, anybody else have any final thoughts on collecting or how this movie might have changed your mind on buying or not buying anything? I'll never love again. <laughs> I think what Barrett is demonstrating is that I think inside all of us, we have a breaking point or a threshold with this Marvel universe. I've talked about it before where I think the quality could take a steep decline once Robert Downey Jr. is no longer involved in this universe. And I I have reservations about the movies coming in the future. I don't know how how cool Guardians of the Galaxy can be, how cool an Ant-Man could be. 
how cool a Doctor Strange could be. I don't, I don't know. But you know, that's all in the future. We're definitely getting the B and C <laughs> list characters. <laughs> Sorry, but. <laughs> I do want to point out with the five stages I pointed out earlier, uh, Barrett landed in stage two of anger, and I think he's got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be enhancing this like, freaking flarn and filth and flarn. Trevor. You know what? We, for, for the enhancement, just, just take a picture of yourself, flipping the bird, and just make that the only picture for the entire show. <laughs> well, we've all had our say. Now let's see what our listeners think. Hey, Marjorie. I just, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I just, I watched Iron Man three, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I, I left it feeling weird. I, because I, I guess because I was so excited after Avengers, there's Iron Man three. It was like. Uh, I'm gonna say August or September when they were like first showing pictures of Iron Man 3 and I was like, oh my god, Iron Man 3 right after Avengers is gonna be the greatest thing ever. And since then, I was patiently waiting and when it came, I was just, I just didn't, I didn't feel it. I just, I just, it was weird. Cause honestly, I don't, I didn't like the movie. It was probably one of the three Iron Man movies. It was my least favorite. But I mean, that's, those are, movies there's like it's least but not like the worst of them but it was really weird because I, I was going in expecting so much except we were all work and we went but i just i felt hurt that's the best way i could put it. i felt hurt and i don't know just seeing those armors i was thinking oh man he's gonna like there's gonna be like a montage of him using all the different armors and it'll be so cool they just blew up and, I mean, it was kind of cool the way he jumped in and jumped out real quick. Cluster, I guess, would be a good word. And, I mean, I know it's like a Tony Stark movie, but I came there to see Iron Man, and just too many jokes. I didn't feel like it was an action Iron Man movie. It was a comedy starring Robert Downey Jr. But, but it was an okay movie. I probably won't watch it. I mean, I might find a DVD, but, honestly, it was literally, I don't know, just speechless. I totally agree with that. I really do. I mean, I think that you're really saying what a lot of us feel. Thank you very much for the call. Hello, Naveed. Hi, Dad. Okay, we saw Iron Man 3. I'm a big fan of Shane Black, who co-wrote and directed the movie. Yeah. I was a fan of the last movie he had done with Robert Downey Jr., a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was uh, very entertaining. I've heard of that movie. One day you'll get to see it. (laughs) So, uh, we saw the movie yesterday. What are your thoughts, without any spoilers? It was a really awesome movie. Um, I liked the armors that were in it. There were a lot of funny parts, I have to say. They were hilarious. Do you think it's a good uh, addition to the the, uh, Iron Man Avengers movies? Yeah, because it ties in exactly right where the Avengers left off somewhere. It seems like it's about a year after. Uh, I guess it is kind of a year after we Actually, saw the Avengers. Actually, I think it was like the same year and Christmas time during the same year. Yeah. Um, what did you, what, what what did you think of uh, Tony's interaction with the other characters of the movie? Uh, um, he definitely interacted differently with many many different people. Yeah. Some people he was rude. 
Some people, he was selfish. Some people, he was like a best friend to them. Yeah, it's... It's going to be truthful. If you would give a uh, one being crappy, uh, five being the best, what, what would you give this? To say I'd give it uh, a four because I mean, like, some parts just made me like, are you serious? Come on, man. <sighs> okay, I give it a I give it a four as well. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I recommend it to anybody that liked the other movies. I, rec- so. I recommend it, too. I mean, like, it, it's a good movie. It'll give you a good laugh. It will give you some good entertainment. I mean, like, seeing a whole bunch of stuff. All right. I guess that's what our thoughts are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that's as good a place as any to leave it. And I want to thank everybody for joining me. It's, it's been fun, if not educational. It's been fun-jucational, I guess. It has been educational. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we all represent the wide variety of disappointment to extreme jubilation with this movie, which is, I think, probably what the public at large is feeling as well. So we got a good range of opinions, and I think everybody's going to fall somewhere in that range as well. So that's it for this week. Join us again in two weeks when we'll be back with Arnie and Marjorie and myself talking about the latest three six-inch Iron Man Marvel Legends, possibly talking about Sideshow Collectibles, but no promises there. So until next time, true collectors. Make mine Marvelicious. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds as well as product reviews on our voicemail at 803-MARVEL-4. Or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Website photo editing by Jen and Jeff. Podcast enhancement by Andrew, Shane, Daryl, and Barrett. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam Pow Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lionsmouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at swactionnews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.
at the beginning of the movie when they're in, is it Switzerland at that conference? Mm-hmm. Tony is introduced to two doctors, one being the doctor who eventually is doing the surgery on him at the end. And Stinson. And the other one is Stinson, the same guy who helped him out in the cave in Iron Man yeah. 1. Jensen. Jensen. Oh, sorry. Jensen. Sorry, buddy. There you go. Stinson. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody's seen Iron Man 1 lately, but he actually makes a reference in the movie, Iron Man 1, that, you know, hey, Tony, we've met before in Burn. So yeah. I thought that was a cool little Yeah, I, I really full circle. Some other time, perhaps. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I really do. I mean, I think that you're really saying what a lot of us feel. Thank you very much for the call. Arnie, insert that after a positive. Yeah, I was going to say. I'll actually call in with a voicemail going, I think it was awesome. I'm sure parent agrees. 